Ruthie in. Hello, Ruthie. How are you? Well, you know, I I can't even believe that we're having these conversations. Really, like it isn't it? When I when I get over the sort of disassociation of of my current life, <laughs> I just oh okay right then, you know, I'm just I'm I'm kind of in awe as to how it is that we can even have these conversations in this day and age, given where we thought we were going as humans, but. Yeah, I guess it's not surprising, uh, you know, knowing that <clears throat> the uh, there had to be change in the world, and those guys with you know sixty four generations worth of wealth are likely going to take the time to figure out how to keep that in their family. Yeah, and, and it's kind of you use the right words, human nature stuff. For sure. And, and use the right words. You're kind of surprised we can have these conversations or we have to have these conversations. Not only we talk about hard subjects and stuff like that, this podcasting might be in jeopardy too. The the bill passed. Like it's now laws in effect. Bill C-11, uh, the online streaming act stuff is now in effect. So podcasts may not be, even be a thing for, for much longer there, Ruthie. Um, so like so does yeah. that include things like streaming, <laughs> any kind of live streaming? To be honest with you, we or don't just, know what their intents me. are. Right. We don't know what their intent is, but likely information and anything that's counter them, that's what they will target. They're not going to care about the kittens or the trees or anything like that. They're going to care about people who are taking care of themselves, so like homesteading, home home stuff. They're going to be targeting people who are bringing out the truth and especially uh, faster than they can do the narrative and, and play around with the narrative. So if we are like really cutting edge on the news, they're going to target us because they absolutely don't want the, the truth out, in my opinion. Now, the particular bill is written in such a way that we really don't know what they're going to do, but they're certainly requiring uh, broadcasters or people with networks to, re to register with them if they're going to carry podcasts. So you have to ask yourself, Ruthie, why are they targeting anybody that has anything to do with podcasts and not just video in general? It's because podcasters are a new type of news. It's the new independent media. So I think that's why they're going after that. Now, Donald, do you have some comments about that? And then we can get into that well, uh, email you got. I, I was going to say the um, the uh, Police on Guard chat website that I go to all the time, and mm -hmm. I don't know how many thousands or hundreds and hundreds of members there are, but exploding on that website right now is chat about shortwave radio, ham radio. Yes, yes. You know, I'm not surprised. I'm gonna it, I'm gonna learn that and get the equipment myself. Exactly, and and uh, then there's something that does CB radio, but they use a relay to do it. And I mean, th that isn't mass broadcasting, but you know, uh, way back in the day when I was in high school, one of the guys set up a pirate radio station. I think we're, lo we're losing you, know? you Don. Oh. Yeah, we're losing yeah. your connection, buddy. All right, I'm here. Yeah, as soon as you started talking about things we can do to communicate without the government, it went wonky, it went wonky. As soon as you told us how to do CB radio stuff, it went wonky. And by the way, before anybody gets too concerned, I actually have a radio license. Um, you need to do that to be a pilot. So you actually need to get a radio license because you have to use uh, communication. You have to use UHF and VHF radio. So I actually have a license to go ahead and broadcast that way, Don. Great. And they'll be driving around with the little Gestapo trucks trying to locate our pirate radio stations. <laughs> <laughs> if we have to, we have to. We the have. resistance. But yeah, I got to get back into that. Yeah, no, I'm a nerd first. So getting into that short range, long range, 
you can even get you know signals from around the world if you bounce it off the atmosphere a whole bunch of things um it's something i think unfortunately we're gonna have to get more primitive in our communication it might be that way or a lot of vpn and encryption and other things it'll be a cat and mouse game but in either case um this is gonna be interesting times interesting times now ruthie uh the the reason why we met you and heard about you is you're you're much like uh, Lindsay Butler, where you're an artist in Alberta, you're part of the freedom movement, you were out there playing music, you were at Milk River even, um, had a stage and did all that kind of stuff. And on this show, we're trying to bring out lots of information about the entire freedom movement, 2022 and on. And Milk yep. River is one of the ones where we don't have a lot of information. We had Rick Abbott on, who is a police officer, ex-police officer from Edmonton. He told yep. us a bit about uh, Milk River. Yep. Uh, we have a lot from Coots but not a lot from Milk River. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your stories about that. Uh, just before I cue you up for that, Donald, do you want to cover that that email you just got? And your connection is a little choppy today. I've been trying to get dis, uh, disclosure of filed court documents in the detective group's case. These are public documents. There's no reason why we shouldn't have them. Why it's such a battle, I don't know. No. So I thought Your connection's I would, bad, bud. Uh, then we'll listen to Ruthie. We'll try to listen to Ruthie. Yeah, Ruthie's got she's got the voice, she's got the internet, and, and we're here to hear more about her. So if you don't mind, we'll try again at the end. Uh Ruthie, sorry about that. Okay, so let's just let's set this up for you now. Your country music, western, what kind of music? And ah. uh, you've been around <laughs> for a while. Oh honey, I'm an old lady. <clears throat> yeah, I'm on I'm since the pandemic, I, I was set to uh, record my third album, and uh, I was supposed to tour across Canada with some Texas writers, and I had just returned from touring Europe. Um, and then, you know, the pandemic, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I really was just holed up at home surviving because there was no funding or, or dollars or nothing for musicians, especially independent musicians who didn't make much money ever anyway. So uh, I started doing my own little fundraisers to just keep going for my album. So I, I spent these last four years um, collecting bottles and and doing that kind of thing, <clears throat> having little okay. concerts in my yard and stuff. And uh, so I raised enough money to record and pay my musicians for a new album. So I have a new album, yay, that's in the can. Yay. and. Um, I'm just actually, I was just in the process this week of filming a new video for it, which is the title track. It's based on a true story. It's a song called Piano in the Field. And so um, just through a hilarious set of circumstances, my videographer was suddenly able to give me a day. And suddenly I had to ramp up everybody that I could think of that might be interested to help me to move, uh, you know, a free Kijiji upright grand out into a field just, you know, west of where I live here. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so I found an upright grand on the Kijiji and organized the U-Haul and did all that stuff. Got some buddies. Come on out and help me move a piano into a field. You don't have to move it four times that day. Anyway, um, it turned out to be the heaviest piano known to man. It was about 1,800 pounds. Oh, wow. Picked it up the, tried to pick it up. He thought it was bolted to the floor. <laughs> but Lord is willing when you're doing what you're meant to do, right? And so he facilitated the whole thing. A lot more story to it than that, but <laughs> no problem. Yeah, no, that sounds like an, an adventure. People oh, really geez. don't know something. I should you just have a Ruthie pianos. cam. <laughs> I should really just have a Ruthie cam because my life, you couldn't write it, you couldn't make it up. 
if you were a, a super uber great Hollywood writer, I just, I should just have a camera on my shoulder all the time and I'd be a millionaire because people would be just watching me and, and you know, the, the comedy would be amazing for them. <laughs> it I'd, could be a teasing experience just watching the comedy of Ruthie's life. But anyway, so yeah, I was a folk singer until the um, until I joined the rebellion. At which point, um, I was canceled at a rate of about three hundred people on the first day of from my Facebook. The head of the um, Calgary Folk Festival there, Carrie Clark, literally burned down my Facebook wall when I was just there checking it out. It's a long story how I ended up there because I really was holed up at home, just doing my thing, surviving. I learned how to live stream on Twitch. You know, I was playing all the time for pennies and mm -hmm. and just, you know, collecting bottles, growing big gardens. Just, I'm an old country girl, so, oh, we don't have to drive anywhere? Great. We'll stay home with the kitties and grow gardens, you know. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, never been so grateful for, for the alcoholics of Alberta. Because <laughs> the ditches are full of beer cans and they have been, like, amazingly generous with their... Uh, Alberta, I don't know if you know, but Alberta actually has the best uh, refunding, re you know, uh, program in the whole world. Well, explain why it's better than uh, other provinces. It's better not only than other provinces, it's better than all of America. Like, it's even got California beat, if you can imagine. It's the only place in anywhere that refunds all drinking receptacles. Like, here I in Alberta, know. we do the huge refundable program, right? And... Uh, Everywhere else in the world, it is not like that, and and even other provinces. So is it the full ten cents, twenty cents? Like, what is the deal there? Well, it depends on on what you have. Like a big milk um, container, a, a two liter one, cardboard is twenty five cents. Oh wow! Those guys pile up pretty quick, and the big plastic jug ones, twenty five cents. Uh, five, ten cents for a, for a beer can now. You know, so. I tell you what, it, it piles up in a hurry. Well, 10 well, grand. A, I put together 10 grand doing that over the four years. Wow, you know, people would drop off bags of bottles on my lawn and stuff. But anyway, so I was at home, holed up, you know, picking bottles and saving money and writing children's books and live streaming and growing gardens and what have you. But uh, uh, the father of my kid says to me, he just lives down the street, even though we live in a tiny hamlet. We have two different houses. Anyway, um, he said to me one night, he said, oh, you going to see the trucks? And the backstory on that is that even though I was the daughter of professors, uh, <laughs> much to their chagrin, since I was a tiny infant, all I wanted to do was be a trucker. I just yeah. love the big trucks. I was just like, oh, trucks. Ah. So, of course, they bought me books about trucks, and, and that was groovy. But um, for a long time, that's what, all I wanted to do. And uh, so he knew that I loved the big rigs and he knew about the convoy going to Ottawa coming out of Calgary. I live just uh, northeast of Calgary, about an hour. And so I didn't know a thing about it, to be honest. I didn't know anything about the freedom movement or the conspiracies. Like talk about, you know, head in the sand kind of deal, right? You can, you can hide out in the middle of the prairies quite easily and, and not know anything. I don't have TV. I don't have, uh, you know, I only use the internet to stream out because I'm, I was born in the 1800s. I grew mm -hmm. up in an 1800s woolen mill and I grew up as a, you know, a cook and a horse wrangler in the back country for the, for the bush camps and all that kind of stuff. So, um, didn't have a lot of interest in the modern world most of the time. Uh, yeah. 
And and you're you're not alone. I met somebody just the other day where I was meeting Chris Carbert at the Remand Center. So I went yeah. to visit him. And there was another visitor there. And, and they asked, like, hey, who are you here to see? And I said, well, Chris Carbert, one of the Coots Four. The Coots what? Like, uh, okay, <laughs> so the convoy, you, you know that convoy in 2022, the February thing? No. Like, yeah. in Ottawa, there was a whole thing in Ottawa where they came and beat people down with the with the with the police you know that part no the whole kerfuffle about a uh, emergency act inquiry did you hear about that no right? i was dumbfounded i was uh, very dumbfounded like right in the middle of lethbridge where two of the men are right in the middle of lethbridge yeah. not a, not a clue not a clue that any of that happened a couple of years ago i found that peculiar well um you know uh if you don't participate in the modern media or the interwebs then you really don't know unless somebody tells you. My mom always yeah. said, you know, she never watched TV. She she had a library of 3,500 books. She was an English teacher and rather a sophisticated lady, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, she uh, she said, you know, if World War Three breaks out, someone will tell you. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, we might be there already. I'm not sure. Oh, again, we, but, oh my gosh. Aren't, aren't we blessed to be where we are, in fact? You know, well, I, um, I haven't heard the term Ukraine in three days. It's such a dismaying thing that people's lives, because each of us think of how we treasure each of our own lives, the lives of our children, the lives of our friends and community. And yet each of our lives mean absolutely nothing to the powers that be that that decide these kind of events, you know, that decide on how we're going to move forward. I believe that if humanity had been given a, a say in its destiny, uh, we would choose the right thing. You know, we would choose to follow uh, the way that is given to us, as we know from from all kinds of of holy scriptures, for instance, or um, examples in our understanding of humanity. That there's no need for this, because greed rules the world. This is where we are. Mm-hmm. So, um, like yourself, Jason, and I'm not super familiar with your show because, again, I'm not on the internet very much, but um, I've seen a couple of episodes. I actually saw you with Granny and uh, talking to Tony on the phone there. I think it was Tony. Anyway, um, uh, the same thing for me is just, you know, our best understanding of the truth is the only thing that we can really... um, uh, operate in because if you operate in any other way, who, there's there's no way to hide it. You can't pretend, really. I mean, you can pretend pretendedly, but there's <laughs> no there's no. Um, the truth is the truth, and only the truth. And it is written. It is. And so, the closer we align ourselves to our understanding of what is, the better off we're going to be. At I've just taken it, I guess, you know, one day at a time. And it, it astounds me to the point of being sort of semi-paralyzed, like my ability to write and process all that has happened since the convoy has mm-hmm. been quite um, impaired, for oh, sure. You know, I um, I definitely have, because I got completely canceled by my by my peer group and my fan base and literally have had to sort of start all over again. Luckily, the new record's pretty country. And well, I'm living in the country now, so Lindsey Butler and I are gonna get together and write a couple songs. 
Um, yeah, that excites me. I'm really a big fan of Lindsay. Uh, isn't she wonderful? Yeah. Yeah, she, and, and Greg Arcade is another is another yeah. great one if you can work with him. That'd be wonderful. Who's that? Greg um, Arcade. I don't know Greg. I haven't met him yet. So. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, no, Manitoba. Yeah, he's from Manitoba. Yeah. He does some great music. Great music. Yeah, very I know similar to Lindsay. The, I know he did the uh, did that one uh, fundraiser there. That's the correct. Color. Anyway, um so yeah, I ended up at the convoy kind of in a sense, uh, you know, by accident, really. Uh, so I went to on the 24th of January, I went down to Strathmore to see the the trucks coming out of Calgary because I wanted to see the trucks. And I was we, we ended up waiting. They moved us from Strathmore over to the five oh whatever it was, the 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 Gleeshan Highway on the number one, because they said the already transportation guys had split the convoy up and blah, blah, blah. Or was it already there was all the interference? Like the second a truck rolled a wheel, it was like, ah, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it was you know, uh, surely the, uh, the evil guys and their oracles, they knew, well, when the trucks roll, son, you got to make that, you got to turn that into the kerfuffle, whatever it is. I have no idea how they know, but because it was ridiculous, it was mm -hmm. ridiculous right off the bat. And so I was, I immediately became fascinated. So I'm waiting there for about two hours in the morning for the trucks to come out of Calgary. They were delayed. They were split up. There was already, you know, already um a kerfuffle so i'm waiting there and there was about 10 cars and it was snowy and chilly and there was some kids playing in the ditch and a few canada flags and then soon there was you know 40 cars and quite a few people and standing around visiting and and then soon there was 200 cars and next thing you know and this is the one that that completely that i knew i was in trouble <laughs> because along come the hutterites along mm. came the hutterites with a massive trailer and you know they hop out of their van with a bunch of cordless drills and feet, 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 put together this huge banner sign thing and you know i grew up with the hutterites of course at the woolen mill and out here in the country and i can tell you they don't get involved in 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 stuff unless right. it's uh something that's completely uh you know uh going to affect them right, right. So when the Hutterites came and I said to them, oh, you guys, you're not, how come, like, what? And, and of course, you know, it, it had to do around the mandates, going against their religion, their, you know, and just also their understanding of how easily a population or a group can be demonized, right? And so they're, they're, they're easy to target. They're big landowners. They speak a different language. Oh, they're obviously misogynists. You know, kind of, these are the kind of things that would be said very easily yeah. and developed uh, to, to you know, take over their world. So they know well what, what that stuff looks like. So, so they were there. And I can tell you that whilst we were at Freedom Junction, which was the barricade at the corner of the 501, the Del Bonita corner and, and the number four highway, halfway between Milk River and Coots, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the Hutterites were there cooking for us, bringing food, bringing... There was so much food there, Jason, and supplies. So, yeah, boy, I could just jump over. I'll try and be <laughs> clear. Um, so uh, the Hutterites were there, and I had a huge epiphany of 
for myself, it was literally a, an epiphany because um, the other thing was that uh, the, this is going to sound like freaky woo woo stuff, but whatever. Um, I had started, I'm a, I'm a felting artist. I make stuff out of felt and, uh, right. you know, growing up at the woolen mill and I had started making these, uh, these jackets. I had learned how to do a thing called Nuno felting and I had been obsessed never before in my life of doing crafty arty stuff. Had I ever had one of those, Oh, and this means this, and this re represents a prayer and Oh, la, 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 la. I started making these jackets that were completely like a spiritual, um, you know, art thing, just like some kind of woo-woo artist person. And I'm like, all right then. But I was compelled to start making, of all things, fringe, completely freaky fringe jackets. So fast forward to, to the 24th of January. Uh, the Hutterites arrive. I had been there because of the trucks. Um, you know, the whole thing about fringe minority, my very hard life, but my very, like, you know, learn how to, like I can camp out in the winter for 63 days, apparently no problem um, at the side of the road because of my skills, you know, of working in the bush and camping out and living without, you know, stuff like that in the modern world. So um, I had this huge epiphany of that, like ooh, everything in my life had been leading up to that had prepared me now for what I was about to embark on. It was a yeah. holy roller epiphany. I, I actually... Um, accepted Jesus into my life right about at that moment because I had an understanding suddenly of, uh, well, it was it was pretty intense. Let's just go with that. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, when you ask the Lord to just be his servant, um, uh, sometimes when you get up in the morning and say, okay, Lord, use me however you will, he uses you for some crazy stuff. Anyway, um, so, so, so like I'm so doing politics now. A, a hippie musician smells like patchouli walking into the conservative constituency association and being elected to the board and all kinds of stuff. I'm on my municipal development board now. Um, uh, yes. So it's, uh, you know, going to politics. Are you kidding me? My stepmom is absolutely having fits. Because she's so NDP, you know, my family has been the leftiest, leftist, lefties ever. And I used to think that I was because, you know, I always have homeless people in my house and I save little birds and kitties and, you know, I give you a sandwich on the street. Like, uh, I don't understand the definition of politics, never will. But what I do understand is common sense and, um, you know, what's important in life and what's integral to be able to have a good life because we have everything we need given you know the opportunity to to actualize as people right anyway i'm just ranting away no i'm loving it i'm loving it I, and that's why i'm not interrupting because i actually i'm loving this uh but okay. let's go back to the heterites what did they set up you said they were setting up a they banner? set up this massive banner to support the truckers and 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 you know and so uh, the heterites were in and so were many mennonites and all kinds of people from all kinds of cultures so, and I can tell you that directly because being on that, so, okay, then we, so that's the 24th. I followed them to um, the Ottawa convoy. I followed them to Medicine Hat. I was just live streaming them actually on Twitch at the time. I was like, check this out. This is so wild, you guys. And people are like, oh, well, they're misogynists. And oh, well, they're, 
there, uh, you know, those guys are fringe minority and boy, you don't want to associate yourself with that. And they're already the people, my fan base were, were just freaking out. And I'm like, oh, I'm just documenting Canadian history here, guys, check it out. Cause I didn't, yeah. you know, until I had that sort of epiphany moment. And then I was like, uh Oh, <laughs> uh Oh, okay. Now I, you know, I no longer have a choice, right? I no longer have a choice to just hide in my little, you know, um, musician sandbox and, uh, and, you know, be on my own and, and not pay attention to the world. I have now been called to a task and my ministry comes through, um, you know, music, but I've had a really big real life, uh, on, on the side or a really big, uh, you know, journey prior to this time anyway. So, uh, come that weekend, it's the Coots convoy. There's a lots of stuff on the Facebook, how there's going to be a convoy down at Coots. For me, my connection to Coots is that my grandfather's buried in Lethbridge. And I didn't know that till well into my adulthood because there's a massive backstory there. But my father was raised by a, a, a charity family that were big people in Lethbridge at the time. And, uh, and Coots was where I would cross the border to go America to America with um, the vehicle actually that was down with me at Milk River there. Um, which became the first aid station. I was the first aid station for that whole part. Um, oh, yeah, it, 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 there's so many stories, Jason, that go with this. It's it's just um, I'm I'm going to have to pull myself together and, and write them uh, for sure because I uh, love that. You know, the documenting is is important because people don't know what what happened. They only have the uh, the untrue or the uh, very doctored side of the story, right? So. Um, Anyway, so the 29th, uh, so the Coots was where I would cross the border to go to America with the Moose, is what I call that big old RV. It's a 1981 GMC carbureted engine, but she took me to mm. Texas and back three times, you know, touring in America, just playing music and, and meeting people and, and networking, actually, not even gigging because you have to have all kinds of massive visas and stuff to do that. But um, anyhow, so that was my favorite border, and I had sort of an affinity there. I had an affinity for the the cowboys that are down that way, because I w used to work for for the Simpson brothers and the folks down in that South Country, and they're a they're a funny, very particular breed of of humans. And uh, so I thought, oh, I gotta go to Coots. I just was compelled. So okay. off I went on the Saturday with a buddy of mine, uh, uh, one of my few adventurous soul friends, and old Cliver, and he came along with me, and we went down to. To Coots on the 29th of January, and there was, or we, <laughs> we headed to the Coots convoy, and uh, drove all the way here from Swalwa, which is just south of Three Hills on the Highway 21, and uh, drove all the way down through Vulcan and all that, heading to let got to Lethbridge. Didn't really see any Freedom vehicles, you know. Thinking, you know, of course I have my flag flying off the back of the moose and handed mm -hmm. a flag, and and you know, and it's kind of a conspicuous vehicle anyway because it's old and it's held together largely by duct tape now because she's, you know, done all these trips around. Um, and, uh, and, you know, the massive income one has as a bottle picker, <laughs> you know, for investing in fixing up the RV. Anyway, um, so uh, I was thinking, okay, well, this, you know, I was thinking it's, it's just a silly thing and it, there's not going to be anybody there. We get to Lethbridge, there's hardly a soul. We're driving down the forehead and south. And there's, there's really nobody. We pass the entrance to the creepy hollow and there's some folks sitting out at the side of the road with their flags, like five guys. And, you know, we kind of wave and I'm thinking, well, 
you know, it's fun to go for a drive. And and it was dry, really dry, no snow, super warm day. It was almost like a one of these beautiful fall days that we have. Not a stitch of snow, beautiful sun. And then as we crested the hill uh, at Milk River and came over the hill into the, you know, sort of overlooking the valley of, of where Milk River is on the, it's over on the left side when you're southbound on the four there. And we crested the hill and there, <laughs> it was just wild. There were cars going down the gravel road southbound and northbound and on the highways and circling around and going to the like the campground there's all sorts of sort of side roads around milk river there and there were vehicles convoying madly off in all directions like every direction there were there were a hundred vehicles just going all over the place and and there was the convoy so we just slipped into the convoy and putzed along with the convoy and got to about i don't know three or four clicks outside of of um coots and all along in the middle median of the highway there was just hundreds of people and trucks and tractors and cars and outhouses and barbecues and, you know, children. And it was like a summer picnic. And eventually the convoy stopped sheerly from the congestion of how many vehicles there were. Right. And uh, it, it, you know, it slowed down and it, and it finally ground to a halt uh, for quite a while. Um, um, at which point I hopped out of the line and just down onto the median and, sat there and had a burger visited with people handed out a million cds you know like all the things that you do as a shameless self-promoting musician and um uh just hung out for the day thinking that well that'll be it and thinking that the congestion had blocked the highway in all directions because you couldn't see out of the median for all the vehicles that were parked right on the on the boulevard um around it and so there were people going up and down the line with food and drinks and there were outhouses and so really um you'd have to be an awful grouch to to just keep on being mad and and not you know you had the services that you needed to to survive i mean i understand people with deadlines and people trying to get across the border and so at that point i can't speak to what happened at the actual border at that point you know but um as we know they did uh you know uh barricade it somewhat for a, a short period of time because so i managed to get back off the median and go home it was about 7 30 at night and as soon as you got out of the median you could see that there was nobody on the northbound lane at all it was just surrounding the kind of last stand where you could get to uh you know with the vehicles and where everybody had kind of gathered to eat and have things like outhouses and you know, they had sort of thought of everything. It was it was really interesting. So I hopped, got to the edge of the medium where there's a, you know, a cut row, a crossroad and, and got up on there and whew, there's nobody there. It's backed up a fair ways, you know, on the southbound lanes, but uh, there's right. nobody there uh, northbound. So got on the road, went back to Swalwell. It was, uh, it was like a ghost road. There was nary a soul. And it was so strange after having it having been so completely chaotic. And uh, so went home to to Swalwell, uh, thinking that that was all of it. And then there was um, there was a couple of young fellas. Uh, oh my gosh, my head. Uh, Payton, was it? <clears throat> a few young fellas. They 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 started a little channel called PBJ, and I can't remember. Payton Brandt and 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 Jory, I think, were these guys. Anyway, they were fellas that were down there, and. Um, 
Coots, sure enough, had 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 kept going, um, <coughs> and they, uh, the police had already barricaded off at the 501. There, they had already barricaded off the um, the highway, so you couldn't get through in any direction. They completely blocked the highway at the Del Bonita corner, um, and so very quickly a gathering gathered there. That was the they called it Freedom Junction, in a sense, some people, because um, it was different than the Milk River site, which happened later. And that's a little bizarre into itself, but we'll get to that. So um, these guys were live streaming on the Facebook from from the Del Bonita corner, which was barricaded. And it was starting to they're all just camping in their trucks, staying there. And soon, you know, tractors and trucks and trailers and soon the huge camp was there. So. I uh, I knew I had to go back. So I packed up the moose and loaded up all the supplies. And I thought I'd be going back for, you know, two or three days to go play music for people. And uh, uh, so I packed my PA and my guitar and my little rabbit, had a little rabbit with me, because I literally thought I'd be gone for, you know, a week at the most. Surely by the mm -hmm. weekend, the uh, the powers that be would be listening because here we are in Alberta and here we are in Ottawa. And, you know, I'm watching the live streams to Ottawa all the way from Tamara and Chris and Pat and all the, you know, the, the usual suspects. And uh, mm -hmm. um, and and so um, I'm down at, at I, I, I pack up the moose and head down. By now it's gotten super cold, like minus 30 and the winds, the way they blow down in that country, I tell you what. So it's so cold. I make it to Strathmore to fill up my propane tank that's built into the truck and it won't take the propane. It's so cold. It, I couldn't even yeah. fill the tank. So I had to yeah. buy another tank, take that with me. And like the truck wasn't even getting warm enough. I put cardboard in the front of it, you know, and making my way down to, uh, I just drove, I got there about four in the morning and I just pulled in behind whatever vehicle. Well, uh, it was actually, it was a guy named Brent who had a picker truck. He's the guy that lifted his, his bucket truck. Yeah. A bucket truck. And, um, it gave a bunch of people rides up in the bucket truck and they took all those videos of the long line down the, down oh, the, wow, very cool. the convoy. That's from, from one guy. He actually has the, there was a great big sign, a great big flag that was made out of, um, plywood and it was signed by thousands and thousands of people. He has that sign. Anyway, um, so I pulled in behind him and went to sleep. I literally put the rabbit on my chest and climbed into the back bunk of the truck and just went to sleep. It was cold, but um, I have a little furnace in the truck and away we went. So, um, and I woke up in the morning, the light came in at seven, you know, 7.30, whenever it is, and looked behind me and there were already hundreds of vehicles since four in the morning behind me down the road and it was just filling up. So people were coming really fast. This was the um, this was the Wednesday. So let's see, 29th, 30th, so 31st. Um, it was like the second or third, I can't remember, of February. Okay. Okay. And uh, so I was parked there. The winds were blowing. It was super cold, but already there were outhouses. There was a big generator plant. Big John had the coffee station set up. There was tons of food. People were already organizing this massive thing. I was able to, so I wanted to go play music for people. So I went and um, said, is there anywhere I could plug into something to run this PA? And they set me up, plugged into the big generator and I played music in the afternoon. 
for people before the weekend because the sun came out again for a while and it was funny i had a donation jar there and i bet you i had three hundred dollars in that donation jar just playing for an hour and a half maybe for the people there was no stage at this point yet um but it was happening so fast so come the weekend the first round of horses came and that was massive because they all came in off the 501 uh, rode in from the side you know kind of sneaked in off the side and, and uh, um there were so many people there and the wind blew like mad on the sunday so i took the truck because i was the wind was blowing on the side of it and we were literally sideways i think it even blew over a tractor trailer up by warner that week it was oh, so wow. bad and uh which it does over there quite often it's just mm -hmm. a thing but um so i moved around and faced into the wind and um that's when i became the medical station because you know by then i'm getting to know people and i'm by myself in this motorhome with you know three beds and lots of room and and the bunny where the kids want to see the bunny and so and i'm a musician people know i'm friendly so i agreed to be the medical station got all the medical supplies came into me and anything that was you know of anybody that needed any help so thousands and thousands of people came through we had probably um six or seven deep freezes full of meat a 53 foot reefer truck uh full from literally floor to ceiling with fresh food and supplies and um, dry goods. And, and then there were four or five, you know, a horse trailer kind of size trailers full of other supplies like toilet paper and paper towels and everything you can imagine that a human being would need to camp out at the side of the road from bedding to, um, you know, personal items to uh, clothing, uh, stuff for kids to play with. I, there was, there was nothing missing from the donations of the people. And if we put the word out, we need, you know, um, Epsom salts, let's say, because the men are out walking too long and their feet are getting sore because they're on patrol. Because strange things would happen, like the propane tanks would suddenly be turned on in the kitchen the next morning, all yeah. turned on, not lit, stuff like that, you know. And so the guys were patrolling at night. And of course, the heightened the heightened uh, environment just from the nature of what what was happening right people are people can, can having never seen anything like it yeah so, sure can we go back to that propane thing so what do you mean there so in the kitchens the propane tanks were open like overnight and not lit and leaking and filling up with propane like saboteur type of thing well there was we didn't have we didn't come to an explanation as to what happened but a couple of times for sure because I was witness to it myself, so I can say that it did happen. We'd come in in the morning to to fire up the kit. This is by the time we've, uh, the time that I witnessed it was when we were now down at Milk River um, Corner. Mm -hmm. But uh, and at that point, we did get an actual cook tent. It was a, like a garage tent that we turned into a cook tent. And so come in in the morning and all the propane is turned on. And yet nothing is, you know, going, right? So... They'd be empty because you know having run all night and luckily and 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 luckily people were just pretty bush smart because it was so cold you know everything was just you had to really take care of the resources properly because of the level of cold that was that we were having right and so um right. 
you know, they'd be checking all these things and, and uh, yeah. It, so yeah, potentially these are the kinds of things that were happening, whether that came from people that were there or from authority type people or, you know, undercover pretend people. It, I can't say because I, you know, shoot pretty straight. And so I take people at their, at their, at their word. And, you know, um, I didn't encounter anybody that was, was uh, fishy that I thought there was some people that had uh, mental illness issues. And we had a bit of a, a thing happen with that one day. The only guy to actually get arrested out at the Del Bonita corner at Freedom Junction was a kid named Peter who, um, had some, you know, some mental health issues and he kind of freaked out. He was playing hockey with the kids as they do. They, you know, the kids would play hockey right in front of the police in that there's a little stretch of road where the, the convoy would circle around, you know, they, they okay. come to the wall of police and then turn and go back the other way. Um, and the kids would play hockey there all the time. And I guess he was playing hockey with the kids and he thought that the police were being mean to the kids. So he, he kind of got uppity and, then they chased him under the car and, and pepper sprayed him or whatever they did and drug him off. And ultimately they took him to the, you know, the mental health facility because they realized quite quickly that he wasn't a threat so much as he was a danger to himself. Mm -hmm. Sort of thing. But he actually returned later to, to the Milk River camp. Um, anyway, uh, so there was, it didn't, I, I certainly didn't encounter anybody that had mal intent that was obvious, right? Okay. Um, so, so, yes, so you that, don't know if it was saboteur or just carelessness, just somebody, you guys just paid more attention to it after that and had security. Yep. And, and while well, we had security the whole time, because the police would do weird things like they suddenly get into formation and march through the camp on the, on the road and stop at everybody's vehicle and write down their license number and be all intimidating. And they just would do these weird sort of acts of intimidation every now and again and everybody was was worried about you know plants oh he's a plant oh he's a you know he's a saboteur of some kind anybody that you know anybody and everybody could be a plant right <laughs> you know that kind well, of let me jump to donald on this one so donald let me just quickly ask you why would the police officers do formation march down take plates like do all of that when this is milk river this isn't even the border crossing pure and simple intimidation yep totally yeah just intimidation this is this is the difference between an occupying army and members of the community who happen to be police officers who do full-time what should be incumbent upon every citizen, which is maintaining the peace and order. When it used to be that members of the community would do that. Then we went formal and, and uh, got a little of, out of control. So we instituted Peel's uh, principles. Now, Sir Robert Peel is the father of modern day policing in the West, started in Britain. And instead of uh, just gangs of thugs hired by local communities and business people, we actually put some structure and the rule of law, rule of law. And that is that every that everyone is treated the same, rich, poor, black, white, male, female, doesn't matter. The rule of law and the laws are applied equally because it's members of the community. Well, you know, you always have to remember if you're gonna act like a thug, 
you're going to go to pick up your son at school or your daughter at school the next day, and you're going to meet the guy that you abused. So police officers who are members of the community act differently than RCMP officers who have been parachuted into Alberta from a thousand kilometers away and will only be there for five years and then they'll leave or whatever when they're promoted. And this is what we saw. That yeah. was pure intimidation. It was planned and it wasn't the only place. So intimidation, I think that's an easy one to figure out, but could they also be provoking? Are they trying to get people mad at them? Are they trying to get people to lash out to them as well? Because intimidation would cause somebody to stay away, but provoking will cause somebody to come to them. Uh, is this maybe it, what they're also possibly it, doing? It, look, it's all one and the same action. Sometimes it intimidates, sometimes it provokes. And sometimes okay. police officers, as we saw in Ottawa, will intentionally try and provoke only to be met with oh Canada or roses, you know. That's what happened. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah exactly. So but but the dynamic here that we saw in the past three years when the police they just went berserk. Okay. And once mm -hmm. again, I, I hope nobody's bored with me pointing this out again for the 20th time. That we had big burly police officers arresting visibly pregnant women, not people, women, moms, okay, for the egregious offense of pushing their child on a swing in a closed park, their three-year-old child, uh, breaking the COVID regulations, um, watching their son play hockey while not vaccinated, a uh, woman in Quebec City walking down the road in the middle of the day without a face mask on in the middle of the street, and they have these visibly pregnant women, some are like eight and nine months gestation, and they, they're handcuffing behind their back. You're not supposed to do that. that. That is the act of a thug. A man who does that to a pregnant woman is a thug. But we had it. And we had it all across Canada. What the heck happened to our police? It didn't happen overnight, and this has been a thing happening for quite some time, including the RCMP, bringing in other people. Now, Ruthie, so now we've determined they're either provoking or intimidating, but no matter what it is, they're thugs. So you have these groups of thugs walking down the street, checking license plates, writing them down, and then what happened? Well, we just thought, because it was getting you know pretty touch and go out in uh, Ottawa at this point too, right? So all the, you know, every speculation, every action, every, uh, you know, fear comes to, to the mind of the people when they're in this kind of an unprecedented uh, life experience, right? Like we're standing, having to stand, the disconnect between what we thought we were living in as far as a nation and a society and the action that we were forced really to take um, by joining the protest. And, you know, for me, it was like, since when do folk singers not join the protest movement? Like, seriously. Right. <laughs> you know, I was like, uh, it was wild. I was interviewed by the New York Times, by Catherine Porter from the New York Times, and by um, Ian Brown from the Globe and Mail whilst out in a field. You know, could have wished for that kind of press all my life as, a, as an artist. But nonetheless, you know, what I had to say, obviously, was not fitting with their idea of what, you know, a 
a thug-like, apparently thug-like, you know, misogynistic freedom fighter would be like. So they didn't actually publish anything about about our interviews, but nonetheless, you know, well, like everything was so strange that the New York Times would put in the resources to send Catherine to the field. And this was already late in the game. This was like end of March now. That's a lot of fast forwarding, but um, mm -hmm. so yeah, the police were very intimidating and we were th seeing things ramp up at um, Ottawa and now they were sabotaging the tractors, the, the, the um, you know, machines that were in the field. And, you know, we would have this information immediately before the rest of the people would, because we were there. That's right where we were. And, you know, obviously there were people making their way to Coots back and forth all the time with help from, um, you know, back roads and, and, and sympathetic uh, landowners and, and residents, right? There was a great deal of support uh, in Coots and Milk River, as well as some, you know, resistance, as we'll find in any community, right? There's going to be different opinions. But there was a lot of support, a whole lot of support. Um, so uh, things were just getting weird. The police were barricading at Milk River at this point and telling people not to come through for fear of getting arrested and charges. Uh, but still, they estimate about 25,000 vehicles went through, you know, on the weekends. Wow. Each time. And, <coughs> excuse me, there was so much food. Anyway, so fast forward to um, the night of the stormtroopers coming in down at Coots. The 13th of February? Was it the 13th or, or the 14th already? I've, I've sort of... 13th get, was the first arrest and then 14th okay, was that, the rest at, of That them. night. Okay, so that night I'm in the... I was in the moose. It was really cold. It was blowing. Um, and somebody was live streaming. I don't even remember who it was now. But... Um, and they were live streaming from there. And they were moving a tractor to go start another tractor because it was so cold and the tractors had to keep getting started so they didn't completely die out there and and the guys were you know camping in their tractors half the time right so um so they were moving one of the massive tractors over to get another one and all of a sudden all the, on the live stream the stormtroopers come in the you know and start like the vehicles all pull in right when the tractor starts moving um, they say that the guy with the tractor, I think, you know, they were saying, like, they arrested him in the tractor, saying that he was up to no good with the tractor. And meantime, in the, in, in, in the, um, so that was all happening on the live stream and was watching that happen. So things were getting pretty crazy. And then when, uh, there, you know, the, the boys were in the saloon, the worship band actually was on the stage singing Surrounded of all songs. Ah! <laughs> ah! I know, is that wild or what? Anyway, um, so in come the stormtroopers, you know, guns, guns um, with them and all of that. Uh, Inside the saloon or just in the, the saloon? Street? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they were out in the Ooh, yard. And we then didn't they, hear this part yet. they came into the saloon. Yeah. You probably want to, um, if you can get hold of uh, Jared McCoy, he can was there. Help? He was part of the worship, worship band. He and his wife, Candace. Can you help us connect to Gerald? To, to Jared? Yeah. Uh, I will sure. ask him if he'd be if he'd be willing to talk to you for sure. I'm sure he would. He's a Thank good. You, he's a really good man. Um, so yeah, they can tell you exactly what happened because they were on the band. They were on the stage with the worship band. But um, yeah, I'm surprised. I haven't heard this detail yet that the police. And went so into yeah, room. oh no, just the the beautiful irony, the beautiful synchronicity of of these uh, these kind of holy roller events, man. I don't. You couldn't write it if you were Hollywood. You really couldn't. 
you know, like what are the chances that that'd be the song they're singing when, when they're surrounded actually. Well, I'm glad it wasn't I shot the sheriff. I'm glad you were playing that. <laughs> they're in the middle of a worship. They're in the middle of prayer and worship when this yeah. went on. So, um, so of course the live stream ended and on we go. So the word comes down to us that the boys are leaving. Uh, they're packing up coots. They are not staying because they have nothing to do with and no part of and will not stand for this ridiculousness about guns. Okay. Right. So they're like, we're out of here. We're done. This is not us. This, this has gotten completely out of hand. So, um, so Can I just ask at that time was a general feeling that it was legitimate, like there was guns found and there was a problem, or were no. people worried that it was black flag or, or, or police led in any way? They figured everybody thought it was a, a setup. Of all the weird stuff, like I say, that the cops were doing, they'd sabotaged the excavators. They were marching around and through the camps and coming with a bunch of SWAT teams and, and, you know, getting after guys for being in worship bands and driving their tractors around. Like it just was, it was just ridiculous. It was like something out of a, you know, some kind of Terminator movie or something. It was just so dumb uh, because these guys, what everybody did down at Milk River and and coots and stuff for the most part was like eat a lot of bacon and sing and sing oh canada coffee. and say the lord's prayer and sit around and pray and sit by the fire and you know like talk about your children and hang out with the bunny and pet the horsies and go for you know like it was just ridiculously not what the world <laughs> thought there was there was um there was the the hockey games all the time and there was this one trucker he had a dog that could ride i don't know if you ever saw fred the dog he's kind of a bulldog dog oh that dog would play with the kids they'd throw like a log this big you know this long and like this big around they'd throw it for him to go fetch and that dog would pick up this giant log and fetch it for the kids and bring it back and then it would ride the, it could ride a, a skateboard. So somebody had a skateboard all of a sudden and the dog was going back and forth in front of the line of the police on this skateboard. And, you know, they couldn't help themselves, but crack up and loved it. Like <laughs> it was just ridiculous. It was a ridiculous. And even the police officers that were right there on the front line with us, the kids are giving them flowers on the Valentine's day and the, and the, um, you know, um, it, it just, it must have been the 14th that all that happened because because the kids that day had given the police a whole bunch of roses. Somebody showed up with roses. I'd have to ask some other people because I was in the in the truck so much being the first aid station. I didn't go out and pay attention to what day it was. The days blurred into weeks pretty quickly. Right. right and right. Uh, so I'd only come out of the truck to go and play something on the stage or, um, you know, go get something to eat, go to the outhouse, go play around the campfire for a while for the people, or else mostly I was just, you know, in my truck, you know, tending to, to time, just waiting mostly. In the whole time that I was there, I kept a journal of, of people that I treated for whatever it was. Um, I handed out about six or eight Band-Aids and equally as many aspirins or, you know, Tylenols or that kind of thing, analgesics. and. Uh, and did a couple of foot soaks. You know, we only had 
thousands and thousands of people and tractors and dogs and horses and children and outhouses and wind and cold and minus 30 and burning barrels and straw. And, you know, there was even um, a sauna at a certain point. You know, we only had all of that combined together in the complete chaos of the side of the road. And yeah, I handed out some aspirins. Oh, well done on that part. So like, Milk River. Nothing. So was this Milk River or was this Coots that you're talking about here? Well, this is um, the Freedom Junction, which is sort of the in-between, right? So okay. so the guys there. That could have been the 14th then because all the kerfuffle was happening on the 13th yeah. late. Yeah. 14th yeah. in the afternoon and then yeah. more happened. Yeah. And so they're packing up. They're out of there. They so the next morning they they convoy their way down past us at Freedom Junction. We had met. We decided we are we're here to support them. We're out of here too. But strangely, and I'm not sure how this all came to be, and I cannot tell you the details of it. Only that we did it. Strangely, Milk River, the municipality itself, had put an easement on the little strip of land. They had an easement. Uh, there's a little strip of land where their town sign is. It's on the west side of the highway, parallel to the train tracks, and it's a little strip of you know, it's it's a couple hundred yards wide, and it runs you know down along the highway. And they had put an easement into this piece of land so that we could drive into it. It was just an open piece of land, lots of gophers, and you know, just a, a hayfield. And um, they put an easement there and the guy from Milk River had set up um, an internal loop Wi-Fi. So we had our own little Wi-Fi um, system that bounced off the tower that was just down the road. So the guy that did the Wi-Fi for the community was was totally supportive. And it was funny because we got there and the boys would go up and unplug it because they were sure that it was a setup from the cops. And then the guy would come over and go, no, no, dudes, I've set this up for you. It's really, it's me and we're all good. And my father hated the police. And so we finally got his story. He let us store our water in his shop because that was a big issue was keeping the big jugs of water from freezing. We couldn't fit any more into the reefer truck. And um, so we pulled up. So that day, rather than completely moving, a whole bunch of us, the trailers, the reefer truck moved to this strip of land just outside of Milk River at the Milk River sign. And that's where we stayed until the middle of April. Wow. And and that's, that's where, days. like it was so. So we left in the middle of of February, and we were there till the middle of April, and 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 yeah, I have a lot of stories about what happened there too. You know, um, ultimately it ended because the guy that had the reefer truck needed his reefer truck back, and we were dwindled down to about a dozen, you know, six, eight, a dozen people depending on the day, and um, as humans will, things were getting a bit Lord of the Fliesy. Mm -hmm. You know, the old gal was starting to lock up the reefer because so-and-so couldn't be allowed to go in there and blah, 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 blah. Social hierarchy became, an uh, you know, a thing. But Any um, marriages? Any people got together? Any marriages or any, any freedom babies that you're aware of? Lots of gals that were expecting were out on the line with us and then went on to have their babes afterwards. But I don't know of any couples that formed. I know a number of couples that that split unfortunately oh. but probably to their best because they're they're doing better not um <laughs> uh together well, I, but, to bring uh, that up, but I was wondering if there's any freedom babies that you know of i do later, not know of any later. freedom babies i know there were some baby you know pregnant mamas out with us and you know again the locals would help out by well you guys come and stay at our house you know 
-hmm. we had a lot of locals in Milk River and in Coots that would give us places to stay and laundry. And like the baker lady was sending over baked goodies and the Hutterites would come by every week with fresh bread and people would drop in and lay a lot of cash. There was just the amount of generosity from the humans was insane. It was just, it was really quite nuts. And, you know, we spent that, that, um, that couple of months just distributing the resources and we wrote up a sort of a manifesto of why it was that we still stood and, and what we stood for. And, um, you know, to try and, cause people would be like, well, what are you guys still doing there now? You know? And we were standing still because, you know, the, the guys were, were, people had been arrested. We didn't know even details about who was where or what, mm -hmm. but we knew that the, that the battle was not over. And so we tried to, we sort of uh, maintained a fort in a sense, right? And I being relatively, um, you know, kind of a networky person, you know, got to know the local community people, started going to the church where there was a big freedom contingent and they had a um, the Southern Alberta Freedom Coalition that would meet once a month and I would join their meetings and, you know, kind of hooked the freedom people in the field with the freedom people in the town. and. Mm -hmm you know, march to town every day with a flag to the old folks' home and visit with them, which they loved. It was pretty right, cool. Of course. Very we good. didn't have a, a ton it. of, you know, detractors. And it, at six in the morning, it would start, the truckers going by honking in solidarity. You know, there was one guy that must have had a milk run by there every day because every day, about six in the morning, there you'd go. <laughs> That's your built-in alarm clock for everybody, for sure. <laughs> what I'm hearing is Milk River, the township or the municipality of, yep. kind of kind of supported it. They gave yep. you that strip of land. They didn't make it difficult for you. They didn't have the police remove you. And you well, the police couldn't remove time. us because we were on private land now, and we could be there as Correct, long as we wanted. I mean. And they had put an easement there so that we could come and go onto this piece of land and, you know, sort of left us with, please don't drive all over the place, sort of one road in, one road out. And you'll need to reclaim it when you go, which mm -hmm. we did thanks to the help of the local, you know, farmers and, and community people. Just I've the heard stunning amount of love and compassion and kindness and um, care that that I saw on the line with all the people all the time, regardless of what was going on. People would come into the camp from out of the, the town. The one lady, the bylaw guys were getting after her about her dogs or something. And she came to ask us for help and advice because they were going to take her, her dogs. And she was all upset and wanted to know if we had any resources. And of course the homeless people and the strays and the people turned away at the border and you know, the crazy queen of Canada, Queen Ramona, she showed up and boy, I tell you what, suddenly the helicopters were back. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> the helicopters were back. Right. Right, for the queen, my dear. She was thinking that she was crossing the border down there at Coots, in which she was not. Okay. Okay. So now I actually want to ask kind of to sidestep uh, the rest of the story for now. Um, sure. I'm not sure if you're prepared to play a song or should, can we play a song? Or is there something I can, that we yeah. Can do? Really? Sure. Oh, wow. Okay, let's do that. And then I'm going to have Donald maybe ask a few questions and then I got to get back on the road. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much gotta, for having me, love. I really appreciate it. I wish I wasn't we'll so bleary this morning. I had ended up having Lord. a bit of troubles and, today. And we'll have you back. We do a thing called the Great Canadian Relay every Wednesday, just not this week, um, where we'll, we bring a musical artist on to play in between breaks and stuff like that. So maybe we'll have you back for that as well. I'd love to. Great. 
little waltz because it's morning. Song I wrote about just life. Just life. Dance in the darkness, sailing for days. Dance in the shadow, not knowing our way. We dance to the edge, our stride gone astray. We just keep dancing. There ain't no other way. Well, God is in heaven, and he has his plan. But we're having a spell where we don't quite understand. I suppose time will reveal what he has in his hand. But until then, we're just doing the dance. As we dance in the darkness, sailing for days. Oh, we dance in the shadow. Not knowing our way. We dance to the edge, our stride gone astray. We just keep dancing, there ain't no other way. As we glide across life's little stage, it's best not to give in to worry and rage. Let love be your lone partner. May you have courage and grace as you do that last waltz. At the end of the race, we all dance in that darkness. We're just sailing towards the day. Oh, we dance in the shadow, not quite knowing our way. Yeah, we dance to the edge. I we just keep dancing there ain't no other way we just keep dancing there ain't no other way mm. dance in the shadows <laughs> this life there is no other way oh, i love that I love that very much. Thank you, Ruthie.
Oh, bless you guys. Thank you. One of these days, Don, you're going to have to pull one of those guitars well, off and join. Well, yeah, you know, as I was listening to it, I, I thought, you know, do I want to grab <laughs> the, the Gretsch bass over here or do I want to grab the resonator? <laughs> yeah, we lost him right there. We lost him right there. But one of these days, we're going to get Donald to join one of our artists as well. Wonderful. Wow. And Lillian was right. Beautiful song. Thank you guys so much. We got some clapping from Marcia. <laughs> Marcia. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh, another one here from David. Thanks, Ruthie. You start the day off oh, on a good note. Well, bless you, David. <laughs> Thank you. So we have wonderful stories and we have some wonderful music from Ruthie. And I don't think we have it all. There's a lot more music and a lot more stories from you, don't, isn't there? There are. Okay, really so we're going to have to bring you back. I really love, Ruthie, your stories about people at, at you know, the protest. I really loved it. it. It was so real, yeah. It just provided uh, a perspective um, to those of us who, who weren't there. It just provided a, just a very intimate perspective. I loved it. Thank you very much. You're so welcome. I tell you, I, did, I never would have met all of these people that have become my new it's like the, you know, like I said, the first day on Facebook, I lost 300 friends, all my sort of folk singing peers. And they just were, they were, they blocked me even, you know, and, wow. um, and it was so sudden and so severe and people in my family and, you know, uh, it was so harsh and to be embraced in the, in the warm love of the freedom community, because, you know, um, you know, none of us is Batman with a bazillion dollars and Batmobiles and stuff. Maybe there's the odd guy out there, but we don't know of him yet. He hasn't mm -hmm. presented himself quite. Um, you know, we're all real folks just really trying to have our voices heard. We are the voice of the unheard. That's what, what I saw. So many people with so much trauma, so much abuse uh, at the hands of this event that, and at the hands of others because they have been, they used our love against us. Yes. Yes. And and what do you think about this new convoy, the, the new stuff that's setting up in the Ottawa area? Well, I pray for them. It's very hard to um, to build a, a new momentum, I think. And, you know, their best uh, intentions are, are, it is really, truly all about intention. And sometimes it just takes the tiny little squeaky wheels. So we can never know what's going to work. And we need to support each other in all of our endeavors as long as they are loving and peaceful and as long as they are true to our hearts, because the potential is that the massive powers that be will no longer even pretend that we are of any value or that the society is anything like what we thought right. and may indeed decide to just, you know, zap the entire massive crowd of, so even, you know, we think, Oh, well, we've got the numbers and blah, 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 blah. We can't actually know how far this thing is going to go. So the only thing that we have, the only string that we have to really play on is that of love because we have to greet our life and our, and our eternity and our, our existence, our understanding of humanity and our, our own experience with it. Each one alone. And it, it, it may or may not be a good time coming up. And so right. we have to decide now, while we still have the wherewithal as to where we will stand in the face of utter lunacy. 
I agree with that. And, and I think one of the things we've lost is our voice, whether it was over the last few years or even before then. Just try so speaking out about anything, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Try speaking out about anything, including the new war, the old war, the longest war, and then our Canadian one. Yeah. It's a tough world out there, but we have a road to hit. We're going to be yep. rolling ahead. Um, and we're going to make our way to Sault Ste. Marie today. I believe we're going to have a nice little journey around the lake. And Beautiful. God bless God bless you for your time today. Thanks for getting up early for us. And beautiful voice and first Thank thing in the morning too. And I can't wait for you and Lindsay to do something together. So maybe yeah. we'll make that happen on this. We're going to, we got to get together and do some writing. It's just that, you know, life is chaos. I'm madly harvesting the garden. She's got to find a new place to live. Blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, so no you're touching. You, you winter's know, coming you and we can't go much anywhere in this country <laughs> in the winter. So, well, well unless you're going to camp at the side of the road, but. Well, she, she could write a song about a new home because uh, <laughs> she's looking for that right now. You're right. Yeah. Thank you very much, Ruthie. I really appreciate yeah. your time today. Bless you, and Jason. I, did, did, and, we, did we have to reschedule you or we didn't have to reschedule you? No, I um we were looking Bless at some boots and it took us a while to sort it out. So it's all good. Thank you. Thank you for working Anytime. with Paula on I'm that one. Independently wealthy musician, you know. I live by the wonderful refunding program we have here in Alberta, which is true. And it's a blessing and, you know. I encourage others because there's a lot of bottles out there and folks do are, want, don't want to bother taking them back. You know, they'll give them to you if you're willing to go get them. Fair enough. Now, do you want to tell everybody about your Facebook page? Let's get your numbers back up. And can anybody support you? Is there a way to support well, you? Is my numbers went right back up uh, on my personal page. I'm up at 5,000 and I can't get any more people because of all my freedom friends. So yay. <laughs> they replaced those grouchy little other folks really quickly. So. Um, and you, yeah. I'm the only Ruth Purvis Smith in the whole world, so you can find me all over the place. I'm not very good at my interwebs. My website needs some updoing because I'm getting ready to start with the new branding for the new record and blah, blah, blah. I have a video, a current video that was filmed with the moose, the, the RV that was the first aid station down at Freedom Junction there. Uh, it's called um, Captain Kirk. And it's a song about, you know, thought we were going to get Captain Kirk. Instead, we got Darth Vader. So yeah. there's a video on YouTube for that. If you look up, I love Ruthie. I love Ruthie. That. So I'll be yeah. looking for that too. We'll okay. probably play it in the car. Thank you, Ruthie. Awesome. And I love Ruthie. Oh, I love you too, Jason. You take Please care. Please give my best to your, your wonderful wife. And um, I look forward to seeing you all again. Yeah, we'll do that for sure. Thank you very much. And stay tuned. You may like the next few episodes coming up. I for uh, sure will. But thank you very much. Take care, okay. Ruthie. Bye, Bye for now. Bye for now. Good, Great answer. <laughs>